again, listeners, and welcome to this special footnote episode of the Fantasy Animation Podcast. I'm Alex Sargent. And I am a boiling Chris Holiday. Well, you're about to be. So, yeah, we're going to talk about boiling this week. I barely know what this is. I'm assuming it doesn't involve a kettle um, or a saucepan. <laughs> or temperature of any or kind. Or temperature of any kind. Um, so, um, this is all you, I'm afraid, but hopefully I can provide the Melvin Bragg role um, of helping people unpack what this means. But we've talked about it before, I think, when we talked about rhubarb and custard, actually. Yes, so, yes. So, boiling, Chris, what is it? So, boiling is, is um, essentially an, an unintended outcome of animation aesthetics, animation process, animation labor, uh, i.e. that it's often not, when we think of animation and movement, we think about the deliberate illusion of life, the credentials of the medium, we think about animation's ability to, to take the world and through stuff like anthropomorphism, which we've talked about already, um, create sentience, create objects that move and take on human qualities. But movement has always been central to animation, right back to the to the origins, again, when we talked about lightning sketches and we, with Malcolm Cook. Um, what is animation? If not what is some, animation? Something that creates movement out of an illusion. Exactly, or um, the illusion of movement out of something. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we're getting close to that Norman McLaren quote, but we haven't quite. Seen no, no, it. no, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Um, so I guess that we think of animation's relationship to boiling as fundamental. Sorry, animation's relationship to movement as fundamental to what the medium can do, and, and sure. that was part of its <clears throat> novelty for early 20th century audiences. Now, as part of that process, obviously, early animation drawn on on paper, stacks of paper, repeated drawings. Repeat, so Gertie the Dinosaur, Winsor McKay's um, film from 1914. I always want to say 1912. Maybe it is 1912. Yeah. Listeners will correct me. 1912 or 1914. Um, involves, uh, we always think of, of, of Gertie the Dinosaur as a short animated film, but actually what it is, it's pre, it's kind of prefigured by a, a live action setup, which is about Winsor McKay drawing thousands and thousands of drawings to create the illusion of movement. Now, of course, he cannot, because he's drawing these by hand, uh, create the same background the same every single time. So all of his drawings for Gertie the Dinosaur, let's say, have a slight variation because he's tracing, but it's never quite exactly the same. Similar process is, is sort of connected to, to flip books even today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hand-drawn flip books, there's a sort of modulation between different kinds of images, page on page. Yeah, so we're talking about, like, you know, if you draw a cloud a hundred times, the cloud will move slightly on, on the page as you flick it because you're never yes. going to get it exactly right. Exactly. And within that that sort of modulation or within um, what we might call a, a, dis, a discontinuity between images, the moment where we can almost see the labour of production, that is that is what Dan Torre in an article for Animation and Interdisciplinary Journal has um, talked about as a sort of boiling aesthetic. Okay. Um, the article is called Boiling Lines and Lightning Sketches, which I think tells you a little bit about the historical period in which he's dealing, given that obviously today we have almost almost from... Disney in the 30s and 40s onwards, the sort of mechanised industrial. Um, yes, no, it's a, one of the one of the illusions that surround. I find when I talk to people about sort of Disney is people think that Snow White was made this way, right? Uh, when yes. they hear about hand drawn animation, they like to imagine that all these Disney animators are sitting there drawing every thing by hand. That's not quite how it works because Cell doesn't yeah. do that. It standardises things and it allows backgrounds to be used. And yeah, but exactly. And backgrounds to be reused within films. Um, sequences to take place in backgrounds over an extended period of time. Yeah. But also that you are literally just washing the cells and reusing the cells. So anyway, so yeah, everything so that is... that doesn't happen, I'm afraid. They're not doing a flip book. No, um, exactly. <laughs> the principle, i.e. the persistence of vision, sure. where your mind 
Yeah, that that is that's true because that's the foundation of animation. But boiling is when you do do it by hand. Boiling, yeah, boiling is when you do do it by hand, and boiling is that sort of aesthetic outcome. And, and Dan Tor says boiling is an animated process that involves tracing, but it's also the materialization of difference and repetition. So he talks about boiling almost a, a, as an effect where an original drawing is made and then a number of tracings um, are, and he says there between three and eight, um, are used to sort of create the illusion of continuous unbroken movement, which is true of the image being represented, but the image through its boiling, its j jittery, yeah. jaggedy movement gives away the fact that it is animated because, as you said, if a cloud is drawn 100 times, it's going to be... Very, slightly. very, very slightly different. Now, so, you said this is unintentional. Is it mm. always unintentional or...? Um, well, Because okay. that implies that it's sort of a mistake. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, it's, it's, I suppose there are, there are some writers who are writing on stop motion which talk about... who talk about arbitrary movement in relation to the thumbnails... The, the thumbprints, sorry, that are embedded within Claymation, Wallace and Gromit figures uh, and the fur of the 1933 King Kong, where the King Kong figure, because he was moved in between frames to create his movement, you have a kind of boiling effect with his fur because his, the, the, the King Kong's fur moves unintentionally. It, it, it moves twice. It moves intentionally because the character is supposed to move, but unintentionally because in between frames, somehow the fur is moving in ways that are slightly... So in relate, I think in, in early animation, as with so many things, what was previously considered a quote-unquote mistake or, or, a, or a moment of visible labour almost becomes co-opted and, you know, you hear lots of stories of Aardman artificially putting fingerprints into their digital sculptures or into their some of their claymation because we like to see the trace of the artists. So I think something that was previously a mistake, same with lens flare, what was previously a mistake in, in animated production or mistake has now become a, a marker of realism or quality or something, even if it's in the case of lens flare in a film like Gravity is, is a fake introduction of lens flare. Or, or just like less of labour, as you say, or of craft. Yeah. Or of, I remember we talked about it briefly when we talked about the rhubarb and custard. Yeah. And that, because of the politics of the director, um, very much associated with the sort of, the, this isn't industrial, this isn't uh, clean, this isn't sanitised, yes. this is workmanlike this is you know well i think craft is absolutely the right way to talk about it there's a number of books and there is a book in in which we both feature um around craft and called the crafty animator and i've talked a little i talk a little bit about boiling in relation to digital images and the crisis of the digital erasing exactly these forms of of labor um but Tor says that the um, the bold image mat materializes a unique dichotomy of movement and stillness. He said, you know, that movement is obviously the expression of life, and crucially in the case of animation, it's sort of defining principle. Um, but it's also an image that appears to boil and, in, and and simmer in ways that surface labor, and there is a pleasure in in seeing craft played out on screen. I, I mean, I don't doubt that that more recent digital processes can almost kind of replicate that boiling effect. Mm. Um, Is there any examples of that? I can't think of any off the top of my head. The, clo the closest I, I would <laughs> think of, uh, the closest I could think of is something, we've talked about this in, in our kind of feature length episodes in relation to sort of cell shading or tune shading where the computer tries to make itself, look, tries to create images that look like hand-drawn, because the right. computer doesn't look like anything. It looks like numbers and binary sure, code. Sure, sure. Um, but a, a piece of chalk on a chalkboard looks like a piece of chalk on a chalkboard or, or a pencil on a piece of paper. So the ability of the computer to replicate other image-making forms 
And tune shading is a good example, trying to create the illusion that the digital images are like the Simpsons, for example. Simpsons is is not quite tune shaded, but it's it's the you don't want a three-dimensional Simpsons because we know what the Simpsons looks like. Sure. So the computers, same with South Park, the computer yeah. is making images that are flattened and look cell or look cut out or look stop motion, but actually it's it's all digital. So I think within cell shading, I'd have to do a bit more thinking, but I would imagine that there are instances where as part of the computer's replication of cell shading, mm -hmm. there are moments where the image to sort of impart a false authenticity onto the into the image. So boiling is something that's kind of political. I think you're right to flag that up, a sort of artisanal labor. Um, it's aesthetic, it has aesthetic qualities, uh, and I think it's obviously historical because it's obviously it's often considered something that doesn't exist in the same way. It's, it's a remnant of a pre-cell animated world. And a pre-mechanical, yeah. industrialised yeah. approach. When, to a, when animation was told through, not through an industrial workforce, by, but by a Jay Stewart Blackton or a Walter Booth or a, uh, a Windsor McKay, one of these pioneers, often American pioneers, but these pioneers where the art is in the hand of these, these, these pioneers. And, and that's why the, we always think about Gertie the Dinosaur as an animated film, but top and tailing it with a live action segment where he talks about his labour and he's having to do all the drawings sort of, is, is, is sort of fake, really, because it's sort of making an imaginary or a fantasy out of exactly what went on, because I definitely don't think he did all the drawings. A couple, couple of seconds left, I suppose. So you, uh, Dan Toro yeah. is, the, is the place to go to on this. Is yep. there any other... Um, what to flag up people might be if they want me to write about boiling or I, do you know what I would, so I would also say um, in a slightly strange way I would also say Hannah Frank's book Frame by Frame which is essentially a materialist analysis of cell animation and she almost tries to argue in some way that boiling did exist in cell animation because there are plenty of mistakes and dropped frames and dropped cells and images where characters slip off of the edge of the frame and actually if we look at cell animation frame by frame we can sort of think about the imperfections within this mechanical okay. process. So I'd say Hannah Frank's Frame by Frame, the late Hannah Frank, wonderful book, unpublished PhD thesis that became this incredible book. Um, so definitely check that out. Of course, Dan's um, stuff on boiling lines and lightning sketches. And I'd also throw my hat in the ring and say any of the chapters from Craft and Crafty Animator, because Which I think is, uh, Caroline, Caroline Ruddle and Paul Ward um, editing so the Crafty Animator, but it's all about um, the cultural value of, of the handcrafted. Sure, don't read mine, it's not very good. No, it's all right. All it's the chapters. Apart from Alex's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's Read mine right. twice. It's all right if it doesn't mention boiling, so I wouldn't bother. But no, no, yes, but I think um, that, that issue of kind of yeah, craft and, yeah, and the yeah, move, up, yeah, yeah the, the cultural moment we're in about, you know, thinking about the repair shop or things where we like handmade things. Sure. All right, cool. Well, there we are. We've boiled. Um, uh, and that's, that's time up. So... Uh, if you have other suggestions for footnote episodes, remember you can contact us at fananimresearch, F-A-N-A-N-I-M, research at gmail.com, um, and we're happy to take your suggestions there. You can also do so via Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fananimresearch, F-A-N-A-N-I-M, research. Um, the website's fancy-animation.org, uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye. All right, let's do